not a furnace for your foe so hot that it do send yourself. William Shakespeare, Henry VIII, Act One, Scene One. Welcome to the Revisionist History Podcast, where we set the historical record straight, no matter who it might offend. I'm Paul, and today we'll be debunking myths about one of the most famous monarchs in all of history, Henry VIII. A great number of myths have popped up about Henry over the years, over the centuries, but these are some of the most common, most pervasive, and frankly, most wrong. So let's get started. The first one is that Henry was fat. It's true that toward the end of his life, he put on a lot of weight. At the time of his death, he had a 53-inch chest and a 52-inch waist. But this was due mainly to his reduced physical activity as a result of age, early 50s was no spring chicken in the 1500s, and a fall from his horse during a 1536 jousting tournament in which his horse fell on top of him. He was unconscious for several hours, and his leg was very badly injured, so much so that two years later, an ulcer on that leg became infected and nearly killed him. He was largely, pun intended, sedentary from that point on, which contributed to his weight gain. Prior to this, however, Henry was athletic, strong, and muscular. He constantly jousted, hunted, and otherwise spent vast amounts of time on horseback, which kept him in excellent physical shape. So while he was heavy at the end of his life, he wasn't that way for the majority of his life. Another myth that seems to hover around Henry all the time is that he executed all of his wives when they didn't produce male heirs. First of all, he executed two of his wives, not all of them. Not that that makes it better. The best way to remember this is an old line. Divorced, beheaded, died. Divorced, beheaded, survived. He divorced his first wife, Catherine of Aragon, after unsuccessfully seeking an annulment from the Pope. Catherine's nephew was the Holy Roman Emperor and a crucial ally of the Pope, so this was a futile task from the start. But Henry had fallen in love with Anne Boleyn and also needed a male heir. So Catherine was sent away, very much alive. Anne was not as fortunate, but not because she produced only a daughter. And when I say only a daughter, it was only Elizabeth I, perhaps England's greatest ever monarch. It was actually Anne's alleged infidelity that was her undoing. Jane Seymour gave Henry a son, but died shortly after giving birth. Anne of Cleves was an arranged marriage that Henry never wanted, and he quickly divorced her, though they remained on civil terms. Catherine Howard was beheaded, again because of infidelity, real or perceived, and Catherine Parr was queen at the time Henry himself died. Henry indeed craved a son to continue the Tudor dynasty, but he didn't kill off his wives to get one. The third pervasive myth about Henry VIII is one that has stuck from the very beginning 
and is a hard one to challenge, at least on its face. But it is indeed a myth. And that's that Henry was a Protestant who fully supported the Reformation. This one is a clear case of revisionist history, but an understandable one. Henry VIII was, of course, a Catholic prior to the Reformation, as was all of Western Europe. When the Reformation began, he was a staunch and vocal opponent of Martin Luther. In 1521, four years after Luther wrote his 95 Theses, Henry wrote a treatise with the help of Thomas More called The Defense of the Seven Sacraments, attacking Luther's positions. For this, the Pope granted Henry the title Defender of the Faith. Ironically, a title the Queen of England retains to this day. Henry's break with the Pope, though in his own mind not with the Church, came when the Pope would not grant an annulment of his marriage to Catherine of Aragon so he could marry Anne Boleyn, who was indeed a Protestant and a devotee of Luther. Her actual role in moving England into the Protestant camp is debated by historians, but she certainly spurred Henry in that direction, including such actions as sponsoring William Tyndale's English translation of the New Testament and influencing the election of reformist bishops. Henry, however, did not see himself as abandoning Catholicism, but rather as rejecting a corrupt papacy that, among other things, threatened his position as the leader of England appointed by God. He executed men like Thomas More and Cardinal John Fisher not so much for their fidelity to the Catholic Church as for the refusal to take the oath stating that he was the head of the church in England, not the Pope. It's clear to us today that this was a rejection of Catholicism, for to reject the Pope as the successor of Peter and head of the Church Universal is to reject Catholicism. But Henry did not see it that way. This is evident by the way in which he retained nearly all of the doctrines and rituals of the Catholic Church in the newly formed Church of England, except for allegiance to the Pope. To the day he died, Henry considered himself a Reformed Catholic and a true defender of the faith. The final myth about Henry we're going to look at today are his dying words. Over the centuries, there have been various last words attributed to Henry VIII. The most famous is that he died after muttering, monks, monks, monks. The story goes that because he had killed monks and priests who defied him as he took the church away from Rome, he was tormented on his deathbed by visions of revenge-seeking monks. A spooky tale to be sure, but not true. It didn't even appear until a book on the kings of England quoted it 300 years after Henry died. Another account says he cried out for Jane Seymour. She was his only wife to produce a male heir, but there is, again, no evidence that Henry ever said this. What is most likely is that his final words were quite ordinary. When informed by his physician that he was not likely to live much longer, he was bedridden and suffering from renal failure, he reportedly said he wanted to see Archbishop of Canterbury Thomas Cranmer, but, quote, I will first take a little sleep, and then, as I feel myself, I will advise on the matter, end quote. He did indeed then sleep, was unconscious when Cranmer arrived several hours later, and died the next morning without uttering another word. So those are four big myths about Henry VIII debunked. We really don't need myths about a man who was larger than life in reality. And with Henry, fact was always more interesting than fiction. As a final side note, 
I know that I have trashed poorly done historical films in the past, but I would recommend the Showtime series The Tudors to anyone interested in Henry VIII. It takes some dramatic liberties with history, but overall it's very well done, and Jonathan Rhys Myers is an outstanding Henry VIII. Check it out. That's our show for today. I hope you have a great week. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you're finding this podcast both informative and entertaining. If you'd like to help us keep episodes like this coming, please consider clicking on the support this podcast link in the show notes. It'll help us create more content and go a long way toward making this podcast completely ad-free. Thanks again.